me quedó justo la, la última e intenté, como lo, lo hago siempre, tuve la suerte de, de, que, de que pasó, que fue al arco, que, que el arquero no llegó, fue gol y bueno, eh, una alegría enorme poder conseguir este, este primer triunfo. with excitement. Hello and hola to everyone y todos. Welcome back to a surprise episode of Miami Total Football Radio, a bilingual inter-Miami-focused podcast that has been listened to in 50 countries and counting. It is here where the beautiful game collides with unmatched passion and professional coverage as we provide you with all the latest team news, analysis, opinions, inside information, general punditry, and much more via a team of seasoned South Florida-based reporters. My name is Franco Penizo, the host of this show. And there's usually three of us. Now there's four. But today, there's just two. So it's just myself and Simon Evans, who's making, I think this is his third cap, if I'm not mistaken. Simon, this is three, right? Yeah, this is number three. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. all right. Well, it's the day after Lionel Messi's Inter-Miami debut. Uh, a dramatic finish, an exciting finish. What a game. We'll dive into all of it. But how are you doing today, having had some time to marinate uh, on the thoughts, on the feelings? You know, how are you feeling on Saturday when we're recording this pod? Yeah, it was one of those games, one of those occasions where you wake up the morning after and you're still buzzing. You know, you're still uh, excited. You still got some of the adrenaline because it was such a such an incredible night, really. It couldn't, you know, I mean, I've seen quite a few people talk about it being, you know, a Hollywood script or like a film, but there was just something, uh, something really special about the whole thing that um, was just perfect, really, for, for everyone's hopes for what, uh, what this team might become with uh, Messi and Busquets and, and the other players who, who are coming in. Um, absolutely fantastic. And, and yeah, still feeling it. Messy magic, man. Messy magic. A debut for the ages. We will talk about the game, the performance, the unfortunate injury to Ian Frey. We'll dive into all of that here. It'll be a shortened pod because, well, you know what? I'm not even going to say that because then it'll end up being a long pod and uh, we won't make good on this on this initial promise here early on in the show. But it should be, it should be a bit shorter uh, than we usually go. Uh, I will ask you listeners for this. If you have not left us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, but especially Apple Podcasts, please do so. You can just give us a one-word review if you'd like, or you can go in more depth. I've seen a few pop up lately. We're almost at the number we need to hit, so if you could just do that for us, we would really, really appreciate it. We're getting closer. Uh, And yes, with that review comes like a star rating. You can give us whatever star you want, one through five. But the written review is just as important. If you do the stars, please just leave us a review, a written review as well, in English, in Spanish, in both, whatever you want. Uh, Any feedback is welcome, and we would really, really appreciate it. So, Simon, we've got a lot to talk about, a lot of messy to talk about. So, let's get to it. All right, Simon. So, where to begin? Where to begin? Let's start just with the overall recap of the game. Inter Miami hosted Cruz Azul in one of the first ever Leagues Cup matches. Brand new competition between MLS sides. 
and clubs in Mexico. This was the starting lineup for Inter Miami. 4-3-3. Drake Callender in goal. Backline from right to left. Ian Frey, Serhi Kristoff, Kamal Miller, DeAndre Yedlin. Yes, you heard that right. DeAndre Yedlin was playing left back. In the midfield, you had David Ruiz, Dixon Arroyo, and Benjamin Kremaski. And up top, your front three, Robert Taylor, Leonardo Campana, and Robbie Robinson. Inter Miami didn't play all that great in the first half. We'll talk about that later on. But nonetheless, they took the lead in the 44th minute. Robert Taylor with a nice goal off of the far post gave Inter Miami the advantage going into the break. 20 minutes after, uh, well, 20 minutes after the second half began in the 65th minute, Uriel Antunia scores the equalizer. So it's 1-1 game. And as you would have it, as the scriptwriters would make it, Lionel Messi delivers a moment of brilliance, a moment of magic, a moment that will not be forgotten by scoring a 94th minute free kick golazo to the top left corner. Penalty kicks were looming. I don't know, I don't know if everyone in the stadium was aware of that, but penalty kicks were looming because these matches, if they end in a draw, they go to penalty kicks to determine who gets an extra point. I know that's a bit weird. I know that's not uh, the the norm and not the usual scenario, but nonetheless, penalty kicks were looming. But Leonel Messi said, to heck with that. We're not going to penalty kicks. He called game, put the ball in the back of the net, sent the crowd into a frenzy, pure bliss, jubilation, just overall excitement. Inter Miami wins it off the foot of Lionel Messi. Surreal, but so, so real. Simon, we can talk about the game and analyze the game, but let's talk about the goal because that's obviously been the biggest talking point from this one. Just your thoughts on the goal when you saw the foul called. I mean, did you think it was going in? Obviously, there's an idea like, yeah, it could go in. But did you think it was going in? I mean, just, just run me through what went through your head as you watched that play unfold from the press box. Well, to be completely honest, and I wasn't the only one, a few people <laughs> said this in the press box, it felt inevitable. Once the free kick had been given, there was just this feeling, he's going to do this. He's just going to put it in. It's just This is just too perfect for it not to happen. And then, of course, when it happened... Um, yeah, people went wild. Even even in the press box where you're not supposed to, people went wild. Mm. And um, it was just one of those moments. I forgive anyone who went wild in the press box for that one because it was just such a special moment. <laughs> and uh, but it did it did feel. And after it's funny in the morning when I was going through Twitter and looking at some of the reaction, and I saw UEFA posted um, a little video. I don't mm-hmm. know if you saw it, Franco. And yes. it was like, you said oh, messy free kick. We've seen that one. And it was like, whatever, you know, half a dozen almost identical goals that he'd scored uh, for Barcelona mostly in the past. And uh, I think that's maybe why that's why we just automatically were like, oh, yeah, I can I can picture exactly what's going to happen here. And exactly what you thought might happen, happened. Incredible, really. A spectacular goal, one that will go into his highlight reel, which is, you know, lengthy as is, but to do it in his debut... That's straight in there, isn't it? There's, oh, there's absolutely. Straight, straight away in his career highlights, of which there are many, many, and many other ones that will be greater technically even than that. 
But that's going in there. That's Absolutely. The, that's the first pink entry in in the Messi uh, highlight collection. <laughs> the, the, the context is what, what gets it in there. Because, yes, like you said, yeah. he might have scored a whole bunch of free kicks that are similar to that. But it's his first game in MLS. You know, he's coming off the bench. It's a 1-1 ball game. And he delivers in stoppage time in spectacular fashion and wins it for Inter Miami in a dream debut. Un debut soñado. So, um, you know, he got to celebrate with his family. Uh, you know, it's, it's not something that maybe he's been able to do a whole lot in his career. Like, he literally celebrated after the goal with his family, after celebrating with teammates. Um, you know, something you saw Gonzalo Higuain do a lot when he was scoring goals uh, with Inter Miami during the last few seasons. You know, it, it's a luxury that you don't necessarily get when you're playing at the higher levels in Europe because, I mean, well... The suites aren't on the ground, first of all, uh, like they are at Drive Pink Stadium in Fort Lauderdale, um, but also just because of the logistics of the thing. But the, I mean, the free kick's beautiful, though. The free kick was a thing of beauty. Oh yeah, I mean, he absolutely. got it. You know, his top top left corner, upper ninety, uh, spectacular can't finish. Get anywhere near it. Oh, the keeper, the keeper, no chance. The keeper, no chance. Was at full stretch, you know, but he was not getting it. Like you said, no chance he was getting it. It was so well hit. Um, there's so many different videos and so many different angles. I mean. The Apple TV broadcast, uh, you know, there's so many cameras at Drive Pink Stadium that you've cu- you can catch like any angle possible. But then there's also all the angles from people in the stadium, especially from people in La Familia, in La Barra, in the supporters. And that was section. one made it exactly. as well, right in it's front, right of, in front that of them. Yeah. Like, it's right in front of them. It's unbelievable um, how it happened, man. And uh, like I- I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, like. And, and to explain to, to listeners who may not know, one of the rules, and Simon, you can give me more context in terms of Europe, but one of the rules here in the United States is that press boxes, we're supposed to be impartial, we're supposed to be uh, there to do a job. We're not there to cheer or celebrate, so clapping, cheering, um, you know, that's that's frowned upon and not something that is condoned. So normally press boxes, you hear conversations, you'll, you'll hear people um, say, ooh, nice goal, or, or things like that, but you don't really hear emotion and celebration. And on this one, because there's media from all over the world, like you said, there was some celebration, there was some emotion from some of the, uh, I don't, yeah. I don't th- I, from some of the newer faces or, or people that don't cover Football it was more, generally. I mean, the, the the part of the press box that I was in where, where there were quite a lot of uh, veteran reporters, you'd mm. say, there was there was a sort of reaction, but it, yeah, it was more like, wow, you know, what right. have we just seen here? This is just perfect. And then quickly the realisation that it's, it's the last seconds of the game. You've got to rewrite your whole story and, <laughs> Scramble. and get, get it out, get it out fast and do your job. But uh no, absolutely fantastic moment to do that. He was interested as well, you know, looking at some of that footage afterwards because, you know, you don't you don't really pick it up when you're watching the game in 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 the stadium, but also to see you know, uh, Jorge Mas and and David Beckham, mm. um, you know, celebrate the reactions, yeah, and that whole NBA kind of scene that there is now immediately, like with with those front row seats mm-hmm. and people sitting near. You know Victoria Beckham there and LeBron and Kardashian and and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's it's a different vibe, isn't it? But it but yeah, it 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 was a moment that I think uh, was really really important as well. And I was thinking about this this morning because little moments like that often in a career can set the tone and define things a little bit. 
And I remember, um, if you forgive me, a little Burnley story, but I remember when Burnley signed Paul Gascoigne at a similar stage of his career, Gaza, for the younger viewers who might remember the England uh, former Lazio and Tottenham midfielder, who you know was struggling towards the end of his career, came to Burnley in, in the second division and, and, and just couldn't quite get going in these opening games. And then we got a chance to get in the playoffs and the, it was set up exactly like that for him to uh, score the goal that would send the club into the playoffs. It's Paul Gascoigne, one of the greatest English players of all time. He lines it up a little bit further out than Messi's. He was also brilliant at free kicks. Takes it and the keeper saves it. We don't get in the playoffs. Gascoigne leaves the club that summer. And, <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. That was it. I, I didn't know that that's where that was going, but uh, that's an interesting wrinkle there to the story. Um, so I have now uh, understood, and with a good reason, that... Burnley to you is what Romel Kyoto is to Andrea Yanis, our other co-host who's not here for this pod, because she brings up Romel Kyoto regularly. Our listeners are very aware of that, and now here in your third appearance, I think you've mentioned Burnley in every single pod. So um, it's a maybe we'll call you. I, I had to come up with a nickname for you. I know you wanted El Gringo, which I don't, I don't, I don't dislike. I don't dislike. But I don't know. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna think of something. I, I'm gonna think of something. But maybe a gringo sticks. Maybe we'll see what the what the listeners what the listeners think. But well, no. the point the point of that anecdote was the setting of the tone and the consequences that come from it. And you know, if if Messi had come on and broadening it out from that goal, if Messi had come on, strolled around, not looked happy, miscontrolled the ball a few times, waved his arms in frustration at his teammates. And then he gets a free kick like that and puts it halfway into La Familia. Um, the tone that's set, the conversation around the club, the anticipation, everything changes, you know. So I think I think the the forty six minutes or not forty six minutes when did he come in? he came on in the fifty fourth yeah? came in the fifty fourth so that would be thirty six but there was like what four or five in stoppage time so he played roughly forty one minutes roughly. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's a much tone. longer cameo than I thought he was going to play. That set the tone in a way that no amount of like presentations, press conferences, interviews, or anything can set the tone. What he did on the field there, that set the tone. That's what you're going to get with Messi. That's what he's. That's what he's capable of after three or four training sessions. It was. I mean, again, it was incredible. From my seat in the press box, you know, you saw the foul, and it was like, ooh, can it be? Is this going to happen? People started bringing out their phones and taking video because just in case it would happen, you have that moment um, in in that uh, gallery. And I took out my phone, I put the record button on, and I caught the moment from the press box. Uh, and, you know, it, it's just a spectacular moment. It's, to me, I think, even though this wasn't an MLS game, but it does involve an MLS team, I think it's the biggest moment in MLS history. And I mean, that wow. might sound, That's a big deal. yeah, I know that might sound, uh, like hyperbole because at least but name a bigger years. one. Right. But, I mean, but name a bigger name one. Name a bigger one. Exactly. Like it's a massive moment, man. Like, I mean, I, you know, there's arguments could be made for different moments. I'm sure, you know, David Beckham's arrival, um, you know, CONCACAF Champions League victory from the Seattle Sounders at long last, like, but I, I think this one just resonates a bit more. Is it, you know, the most uh, distinguished from a sporting aspect? I mean, I'm, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this is the biggest moment uh, in M for an MLS team or in MLS history just because of who it is and how it came about 
in the game that it was. You know what it was? I think you you know what? I'll back you up on this one because I think that feeling um uh, and without, you know, going into like all all the games I've watched everywhere, but the 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 feeling of like a goal that really matters, that really has meaning, that like stuns people, that that like sends a crowd wild. You don't get that very often. That 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 level like that of 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 excitement and significance and it felt big time. It really felt like this was a, a a big time moment in in a football match that everyone around the world is going to talk about. You know, I, I I used to get that feeling when I covered AC Milan, and there'd be like a great Shevchenko hat trick in the Champions League, and you knew when you woke up the next morning, even though I was living in Italy, there'd be like messages from friends in different parts of the world saying, "Oh wow, Shevchenko is amazing." It was one of those moments because and you, everyone's seen it. By the time you wake up, the rest of the world has caught up with it. Everyone on social media is talking about it. I don't think you could think of another goal in MLS where you wake up the next morning and the whole world's talking about it. No, I mean, exactly. So I, I, again, for me, and I mean, we could talk about it on a different pod, uh, maybe in the offseason and, and have a, a longer discussion to see if there's a bigger moment in MLS history, but I just I just don't think there is up, to, up until now. Up until now. I, I just don't see it, man. I mean, Messi's... Arguably the greatest player of all time, and he delivered in his debut. Uh, spectacular, spectacular. I mean, it had everyone buzzing uh, in and around the club. I mean, Jorge Mas, Simon, I'm not sure if you were in the press conference room uh, with me there, because since there were still so many media members in attendance, Inter Miami had to be selective with, one, well, who could get credentialed for the game itself. Um, I know there was talk about that prior to the match from some media members about not, not being uh, getting approved for the credential, um, not getting credentialed. Um, but even after post-game, some people were allowed into the press conference, some people were allowed into the mix zone, uh, select few were able to do both. Um, but I was in the press conference room as Tata Martino is doing his post-game interview. Jorge Mas walks in, and I don't believe any cameras caught this. He walks in through the, through the side door, the back door, and he, he takes a peek at Tata while Tata's speaking. Tata, I don't even think, noticed that Jorge Mas came in. But Jorge Mas looks at the press in attendance, and he does the gesture like, whew, like with his hand to his side, like, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what the term for it is, but like, like, oof, that was so good, or oof, that's like spicy, or oof, that's, that's caliente. Um, just yeah. because, like, I mean, it's such a, a freaking incredible moment, man, for Inter-Miami, for MLS, for Messi. Um, you know, after, even later on, later in the night, as uh, Jorge Mas was leaving in his, uh, in his car, you know, he rode with the windows down, clearly ready for, you know, um, positive words and praise to be sent his way um, because, I mean, it's a human night, right? Like, you know, you could pull those windows up and, um, you know, you could have privacy, but he had those windows down. I'm sure he wanted to hear um, the fans as, as he pulled out of the Oh, he's loving line. it. Yeah. Oh, no, and, and, I mean, I, he saw me because I was standing there. It was like, you know, they, they cleared the, the way and I, and I got caught in between, so I just had to stand off to the side. And he saw me as he was trying to, to drive away and we had a, a, a an exchange there of words uh, positively. And I told him to relish it and enjoy it because this is what he's dreamed of. I mean, he, he brought Messi here for moments like this. And to, for it to happen in the in the first game, 
spectacular, man. Spectacular. Yeah, he's loving it. The, the, the footage of him on the on the sideline where he's after the goal. Where oh, he's amazing, like amazing. Waving his arms up to the sky, almost as though you know he's thanking again for the holy water that came on <laughs> Sunday. That uh, you know he, he's 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 absolutely he's becoming a bit of a personality now, isn't he? Because you know people are noticing him. You know, I think uh, before this deal, um, people had heard of him who follow football and, and, and follow MLS. They knew that, that this was Miami's owner. But there's been quite a lot of big profile pieces on him. And, uh, you know, he's, he's made a lot of television appearances. And he's an extroverted, emotional character who, like, uh, is relishing this whole thing. So it's interesting that how the messy effect sort of magnifies other people around him, doesn't it? And 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 you know this this is a very very wealthy successful man, but he's also been magnified by 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 Messi's uh, presence and what's going on at the club. Absolutely, absolutely. And again, just even the vibe this morning, like you said, waking up to go on social media, you see all the tweets and everyone excited and elated. I was getting messages from friends who. You know, one one I'll share that I, and I did tweet this out today at Franco Panizo is that I have a Colombian childhood friend. I was the best man at his wedding, um, who is a big soccer guy, loves football, but has never really been—not even never has really been—he's never been an MLS guy ever. Right. And he watched last night's game. He was texting me throughout the game in a group chat that we have with another uh, close buddy of ours. And even this morning, he kept texting. And he was talking to me about how the team can improve on the defense and um, how Jordi Alba's going to come and help. And, uh, you know, he's talking about how excited he, he is to follow the team, um, how excited he is for me to be able to cover this moment. But he was just going into so many details, like a uh, hardcore fan would, about, like, just the overall thing. He said Brilliant. he enjoyed watching the game. And this, is, this part I didn't even share on Twitter because I just ran out of characters. But this is the kicker. He is a Real Madrid fan, a lifelong Real Madrid fan. And throughout the years, he's always been pro-Ronaldo and anti-Messi. Like, forever. Forever. <laughs> forever. I, I'm, I was never either because I'm, like, I'm not Sp- uh, like from Spain. I don't have any ties to those teams. But like when I would watch the games with them, the Clásicos, him and his brother, uh, or he and his brother, they would, they would argue because one was a Barcelona fan, the other one's a Real Madrid fan. And my friend would be anti-Messi. Uh, now, I, I literally, I have to read the text to you, man. I have to, I have to pull it up here, because like what he said today, I was like, man, like MLS really, really has to, has to take a hold of this moment and and just the overall messy presence being here because this this is what will help the league grow because it can grab the attention of new fans and maintain some of those new fans. He says, this is what he said. This is what he said to me uh, at the end when I was like. Weren't you always a Ronaldo guy? He goes, as a lifelong Real Madrid fan, Messi has always been a nemesis. Finally, I get why everyone likes him. It's incredible, man. Incredible, incredible. You know, for Inter Miami, again, couldn't write a better script uh, if you even hired Hollywood's best writers to do so. So, um, heck of a ending to the game. Inter Miami won with that. Uh, you know, Messi did interviews. Focusing obviously more on the football. At last, we got to hear from him as an Inter Miami player in an interview. Although it was done uh, just with the the TV uh, broadcast, it wasn't done you know with 
us in the press, unfortunately. In, sure. In, in, uh, or I won't say us in the press because, I mean, TV broadcasters are press as well, but um, the non-rights holders, as we're officially called. Um, you know, I'd still like to speak to him at some point, but nonetheless, a heck of a, heck of a performance from him, uh, or a heck of a finish from him. Let's talk about the overall performance, though. Because there was, to me, Simon, I, I don't know how, how you felt, there was a distinct buzz once he stepped on the field. Oh, in, yeah. in the stadium. In the stadium. And like, it's, it's hard. Like, I've thought about this throughout the course of today. It's really hard to put into words because it's just something you feel. It's like there was just a different electricity, a different vibe, a different buzz once totally. he stepped on the field. And I'm not just talking about, you know, the fans and supporters chanting and like chanting his name. And I, it's not just about that. It's just there's just like a different aura. No, and, no, it's, and, it's and, I, I, I know what you're talking about. It is hard to put into words. I, I only, I've only felt this before. Like when it comes to like MLS and club teams, when I was covering the New York Red Bulls and Thierry Henry was there for the first uh, two or three seasons that I covered the team, because he was capable of producing magic. Right. So when he got the ball, there was just like a buzz, and like you, I didn't really understand or appreciate that buzz during my initial years covering the team because. It was just my, my first foray into covering, you know, uh, a world-class player. Once he was gone, then you felt that buzz disappear. Like, that that element of, like, he can pull something out of nothing or do some, create something out of nothing. Like, that element went away and you, and you didn't feel that buzz anymore. For Inter-Miami, even when Gonzalo Higuaín was on this team, you never really felt that buzz, that jolt, that electricity. But I felt it when Leo Messi got onto the field. Like it just felt like every time he touched the ball, there was like this sense overall from the crowd and everyone in attendance. Like, like just he he can do something here. He can do some magic. And man, I thought he played for the forty-one minutes exceptionally, exceptionally well. I think I would well, give him a nine, a nine out of ten. I think I'd give him a nine out of ten if I had to do player ratings. Which, <laughs> uh, hint, hint. May or may not be coming back soon on Miami Total Football's Substack, Whoa. but stay tuned. Anyway, um, Simon, please uh, add on to that. No, no, no. I, mean, I, think, with me, you're, I like. think you're absolutely right, and it's very hard to put it into words without it sounding like you know, uh, getting into into sort of really like crazy talk. But but that there, it wasn't just the fans. Something happened on the field as well because suddenly a team that had looked. I think done okay, right? I mean, apart from the first 20 minutes, 25, 30 minutes, where frankly they could have been two or three nil down. Yeah. yeah Cruz I mean, Azul's finishing. Absolutely. If Cruz Azul's finishing had been better, that game was over. I mean, I, I, I tweeted this before the game. I said the job is really simple mm-hmm. tonight. Um, it's to stay in the game so that when Messi comes on, he has time to uh, a realistic chance to impact the game. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I saw your tweet, I, I, and we weren't sitting close to each other. You were on the on the yeah. other, other end, but I saw that tweet, and I was like, you're spot on. That that was the mission. Just keep the game close so that Messi can And they struggled to do that in the early... I mean, in the early stages, Cruz Azul looked so much faster and fitter and sharper, and I thought this... You know, you'd heard people saying, well, will they bring him on if they're 4-0 down? You know, you started <laughs> people, to think about it. And, and then Jose, you mean... <laughs> But you know, it's like, yeah. but it's like um, 
but you know the goal was great from Taylor, um, and 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 then that gave them some some sort of platform. And then before we know it, Messi, Messi and Busquets are on the field with Martinez, and 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 as soon as that happened, you you saw things happening that weren't happening before. Mm. Yedlin is making like overlaps, yeah. Robbie Robinson is like getting into spaces that he wasn't finding before because the defense is like totally distracted by Messi being mm. out there. And the two man in him or three man in him at times yeah. and, and all and all the rest of it. But but you know, Busquets, he hasn't played with Messi for two years, more than two years since that since Messi left Barcelona for Paris. And they immediately returned to how they were at Barcelona. I mean, the 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 telepathic understanding mm. between those two, Busquets coming on and just finding him with passes. I mean, ESPN put out a great video which is just the passing highlights from Busquets. Um, and some of those passes are like really tight, precise passes between two defenders on the move. Um, absolutely timed to perfection. Messi's already moving onto the ball because he knows what pass Busquets going to make. I mean, this is stuff you very rarely see at any level of soccer, to be honest. I mean, this is the kind of thing that a really well-drilled, you know, the Miami Heat when LeBron was there, and they knew where he knew where Wade was going to be, and they knew Ray Allen was going to be outside, and they made those passes without looking or without having to think about it. And and the rest of the team wasn't like that, but Busquets and Messi were, and it just raised the level. When people talked about bringing out the best out of people, um, it sounds like one of those kind of hypey cliches that like people like Beckham come out with about signing Messi. But you see it on the field, and it's absolutely true. Suddenly, players were doing things. And players will be exposed as well. The players who can't do things, you know, it was so exciting, we didn't really focus on that. And I don't want to mention any names, but there were a couple of players. Uh, it mention really the names, Simon. What do you mean you don't want to mention the names? Mention the names. If you thought some players weren't up to the part, then, you know, well, I mean, you know, fine. Messi himself pointed out, not in a sort of aggressive, demeaning way, but he pointed out to a couple of players that, hey, you know, there was there was uh, there was a couple of times Robbie Robinson made the wrong choices, right? Um, young player, you know, made an impact uh, when Messi came on, but he made a couple of times he made that. He'll learn from that, right? Because Messi was telling him, "You should have done this. You should have done that." Um, and Messi did know. it in a much nicer way than I've seen other players from Europe uh, do it. Like I've seen Thierry Henry be rate players. We saw Gonzalo Higuain do it here in recent years. Um, I've seen David Villa and as well. Dismissive like, waving it, of the I mean, arms it, in the air. Yeah. Listen, they compete at a very high level uh, at the games, top, 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 top level, uh, with teammates that know, you know, some what they perceive to be basic movements or passes, or and to to have to adjust to that at a lower level. I mean, it can be frustrating. Absolutely, it can be frustrating. Now, Messi's personality yeah, I mean, is a big would... difference. And so, you know, the way he goes about it um, isn't, you know, he, he won't be as demonstrative or as, as frustrated or as angry. I mean, I, I, that's my perception. Maybe something will change down the road. But, um, you know, yeah, I, I agree. Like, you didn't see him uh, demonstratively just go at anyone. No, you know? no, he wasn't dismissive waving of the arm, but he was talking to them and, and, um, and, 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 and... You know that's not a criticism of Robbie Robinson, really. It's just it's just saying that you know people are going to have to raise their game, right? They're playing with the world's best, and he expects a certain amount of service, and he's also going to create opportunities for you that he expects you to deliver on. Um, so that's great. I mean, that's that's absolutely positive for all the players. 
there were just little moments where, for example, like Dixon or Royo would would like miscontrol the ball a little bit, and the contrast between that and Busquets next week, you're going to get that. You're going to get that. But um, you know, the team's going to develop as a, and progress on the, with these guys there. You know, and you bring in Jordi Alba, and I'm really excited to see you know Diego Gomez come in as well and and give some energy into that central midfield. You can start to see it, and you start to think. Hey, you know, maybe maybe this this playoff run isn't as far fetched as it was looking like. I mean, is it really impossible for them to go and win eight or nine of the last twelve games? Um, with the way that they played there in that second half, because I agree with you fully that the first half, I mean, Inter Miami was fortunate to take a one zero lead. I mean, we've seen that script before though, and in, in different moments, in different matchups, but. You know, a Mexican team that dominates possession, that is the better team with the ball, and there was no mistake about that. Tata Martino said it after the game. Tuca Ferretti, Cruz Azul's coach, said it after the game. I mean, they were clearly the better side Cruz Azul was in that first half. I mean, the the way they were able to penetrate through the middle. um, They had Inter-Miami... Chasing shadows, and um, the midfield had a very tough time. I know a lot of people, you know, were pointing the finger at the defense, but the breakdowns came a lot earlier because the midfield wasn't there was no any resistance. Absolutely, there was no resistance from that midfield, um, and and a lot of breakdowns started there. Um, Could the defense have done better in certain moments? Absolutely, Um, but if it wasn't for Drake Calendar being Drake Calendar for much of the game, although he did have a little bit of a blunder there on the equalizer. and then some shambolic finishing. Uh, you know, Inter Miami could have been down, like you mentioned, three goals in the first There was half. another moment as well, Franco, and and uh, I apologize if I've got it wrong, but one of the defenders, I think it was Kamal Miller, mm. uh, just whacked a really long ball, like, into nowhere. Yeah? <laughs> sin cariño, little... sin cariño, trató la pelota sin cariño. So he didn't, he didn't treat the ball with enough care there is what you're saying. He just whacked it I mean, into nowhere. I mean, just gave the ball away. It was mm. just like an aimless clearance that a tired, a tired central defender will do and that you do see now and then in, in MLS. Um, Isn't that the English way of playing, though? To, to like, it used to be. It used, used to, to be. be. Yeah, right? Like, just like get it, uh, get it out of there and play it the same I remember team. doing it in a pickup game in Miami. <laughs> being absolutely blasted by actually the Argentinian guys I was playing with. Well, but, um, it's, it's, it's amazing. We're, we're going to get a little bit away from the, from the game for a second here. But it's amazing how, like, and that's why it's the beautiful game. Like, you know, culturally, how everyone views and is taught to view the game differently. Like, I just, you know, instead of a saying in Spanish, it's common. Like, like people, especially in Latin America and South America, will say, you know, tratala con cariño or something of that extent, which means like yeah, you know, yeah. treat the, treat the ball nicely, take to uh, treat it with care. Um, and obviously, ball, when yeah. when you're smashing the ball, hoofing it to nowhere, um, that's seen as like, well, what are you doing? Why did you just do that? Why didn't you just find the simple pass instead and and play? And um, you know, why did you just go to this uh, rudimentary style? I mean, it, but it, it's fascinating. Well, Messi did it, react yeah. to it. I mean, that was the thing. Messi reacted like, why? And then of course, you remember he's played for Guardiola's Barcelona and for other teams that like don't give the ball away like that. There was actually, you know. And 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 it was just that was another thing. Standards are going to raise. So central defender now, you've got Busquets in front of you, right? Your job, when you Busquets. as well as to defend, is to get the ball to Busquets, and Busquets will then get the ball to, to Messi. Messi. Absolutely. And, and 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 there will be teams in MLS who won't be able to cope with that. They yeah. will. They will. So that that's where I was going with you know the, the the first half comparison to the second half comparison because 
Again, Messi came in in the 54th minute. And for the future trivia question that will be asked, who did Leo Messi replace in his Inter-Miami debut in his career uh, match in the League's Cup on July 21st, 2023? He replaced Benjamin Kremaski, Argentine, American. Yeah. Um, and from the moment Messi stepped on the field, the team had more football. Tenían más football. Like you saw the quick combinations. You saw Messi with his trademark penetrating dribbles. Um, you saw the through balls. I mean, he had at least two, if not more, exquisite through balls played into space. Uh, I think one to Yedlin, another one to, to Joseph Martinez that should have resulted, I think, in a shot on target. But Joseph Martinez tried to you know race by the goalkeeper instead. And then he like hit a, a weak cross towards the middle to nobody um, as he was getting towards the, towards the end line. Um, but man, Messi is just a cut above everyone else. And I know that's not breaking news, but man, it was fascinating to watch. Fascinating to watch. I, I have Talking of Joseph I, Martinez, there was that really nice little moment that if, if, if it hadn't have been called for offside, right. people would have been talking about as well, where Messi had a chance to score his first goal. Everyone was like, mm -hmm. he's about to score his first goal. And he just... Unselfishly lays it Martinez. off. Yeah. Totally unselfish, who was in the best position. It was the right thing to do. Of course, he was offside, and so it didn't matter. Maybe he knew that already. I don't know. But it was it was a, it was a good sign of, 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 of a really good vibe that I think both of us have picked up from the training sessions we've been at and just talking to people. You know, like when you, you asked Yedlin during the week about mm -hmm. what kind of teammate he is. And Yedlin told that nice story about Campana going in the WhatsApp group and asking for tickets and, and Messi being the one who popped up and saying, yeah, how many do you need? And and there's just this really, there is a sense, and I was worried about this at the start, you know, and I think I said this on the podcast, you know, you can't have a situation where you have Messi and friends sat in one half of the locker room and then the 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 lesser mortals in the other half of the you, they've got to create a team out of it and it looks like Messi smart guy that he is um, and sensitive emotional person that he is as well knows that and and he's making the effort I mean when he was brought on he stopped and he hugged Kramaski and gave him a little kiss right well I mean yeah and like you touch on that element you know there's also the post game interview that he does with Apple and, and he gives a shout out and dedicates the win to Ian Frey who Lovely uh, un unfortunately yeah. unfortunately exit this exited this game with a very worrying injury you know his initial reaction it was non-contact um, and his initial reaction to me to me in the immediate moment I was like man I think he's done his ACL again because it, it, yeah. was, it was like it was anger and then sadness, and it, it looked to me like a player who had was experiencing an all too familiar and unwanted pain. And it was like, no, not because he was, you know, he was pounding the the grass um, in frustration and like you he know, knew just, what it was, didn't he? he I mean, exactly. Like he 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 felt it before. I, I don't. Again, we haven't had a chance to speak to Ian Frey. Um, you know, it was announced on Saturday by Inter Miami that he's you know has a left ACL injury. Uh, he's out Hope for the for rest the of the season. Um, it's his third ACL injury in as many years, which is devastating for him uh, and, and the team. Um, he's such a talented player. 
and to see him go down like that was 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 tough to watch. He, you know, he was sobbing uncontrollably. It looked like while the medical team um, attended to him or tended to him. In my head, I was like, you know what? He probably heard the pop. He probably heard it and felt it because when when you tear your ACL or you tear a ligament, you hear a pop, right? Like, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And you hear athletes talk about that pop, that dreaded pop. Um, I actually just interestingly enough, or um, you know, I was playing. I've never been injured in my life. Two weeks before I turned 30 playing a league game, I, I went to make a cut and I heard the, I heard it and I went down and my knee was swollen and because I've talked to athletes who've talked about going through ACL injuries, I was like, man, I, I messed up. I thought it was my ACL. It was actually my LCL, but it was all the same. I damaged the ligament. You hear it. You hear the pop. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's Absolutely. not, it's not, it's not a, a nice sound. Like it's definitely like through your, through your mind, you know what that is. And you know that it's not good news. Um, and for him, who's you know had to fight back from two, and this is the third, it's tough, man. It's tough. Like it, I, it, I, I, it I know is. he's young, Simon. I know he's young, and I, I know we're getting away from the from the mess of dedicating it to him. And I, I want to get back to that, but I, I want to ask you because it is a talking point after this game. I know Messi's the, the focal point. Sure. But do you see? a chance where Ian Frey can come back from this and, and actually have a successful career. I hope he does, man. I hope he does, but I find it really tough. I find it really tough, and this is probably the the one negative part of what was an otherwise spectacular uh, night, And but I just... I have a man, hard, t- a I have a hard one, time it? seeing it's it, a, man. Yeah, I have a hard a, time seeing it. It's a tough one. I mean, to have three so early in your career... Um, his body's not responding. His body's like like you can have an ACL injury or a ligament injury, right? Like that, that that happens to players from time to time. But then if you have a second one, like you know the next year after you you just made your your return, your comeback. I mean that that to me says, uh oh, that that's an alarm. That's alarming, alarm bell because your body's not responding. You've you've now had a second injury and then to come back again and have a third one. It's, I mean, it's, it's it doesn't bode well. What I will say, well. what I will say, uh, is that um, more and more we do see players coming back from. I mean, ACLs used to be a career finisher in themselves for a lot of players, right? Uh, there was a time when having one of them could almost end your career. Yeah, uh, two would certainly end your career. Um, that's not the case anymore. Players do come back from ACLs. Now, I'm not saying it's an automatic process and some players never recover fully and they, they can they can lose aspects of their game and so on. But, the, you know, the medical skills, the, 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 the technical ability to, to, to intervene and, and make things better is, is better than it's ever been. So there, there, there is some hope, I think. But he has to... Uh, he, I mean, obviously this season is done and then there's an off-season... So he's not going to be playing again until at the earliest February of 2024, right? He's out for the season, right? Right. So, I mean, he could. It could be, you know, like a year's. I mean, they're going to have to work him back again and be very careful with him again. Like it's, it's tough, man. And, and it's really, I feel it's for really the kid. tough. But... I feel for the kid. He's a nice kid from every interview. Um, a bit shy, like in terms of his interviews, a bit shy. Like he plays on the field, like an adult, like a grown man in interviews, you can see that he's still a, a kid and he's a nice kid. And he's super talented, super talented. It's, it's devastating for Inter Miami. And it's devastating because of how good he can be. Like I've yeah, he yeah. has played 
even going back to last year in preseason when he scored a goal against Laou, which is the, the Peruvian team in the preseason friendly, he has a lot of talent. You know, Kamal Miller after the game said, I believe he said something along the lines like, you know, I see a lot of uh, me and Ian Frey in terms of like Ian Frey's like a, a center back that likes to attack. Like he, he'll dribble forward with the ball. He, he makes forward passes. He was playing as a right back in this game. Um, he's super, super talented, man. I have a real hard time seeing him come back and have a, a lengthy career after three ACL injuries. Um, you know, I hope that's not the case for Ian Frey. I hope he can recover. I hope he can do it. Yeah, I really hope it's not. And, uh, you know, uh, I think we, we both send our best wishes to him and, and hope he can recover and keep strong. And, and he's got that time now to, you know, he's not under any pressure to rush back. Um, and hopefully sometime, uh, you know, next season we see him again coming out and, uh, and, and, and giving it another go and, and, and making progress yeah. and making a career of it. Because, yeah. uh, like you say, a super kid and a very promising player. And, uh, yeah, let's just hope for the best with it. Yeah. For, for and and yeah. He, has, he has posted on Instagram, you know, he, he said, you know, um, it was a, I don't want to say, I don't know if it's emotional is the right word, but it was definitely like a, I'm going to be back. Like that, 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 that's what Good. he put on, on Instagram. He got a lot of support from the teammates. Um, who commented, who shared it, who talked about his resiliency. Um, the team's with him. Going back to Messi, uh, you know, Messi in the, in the interview dedicated uh, the win towards Ian Frey. Um, in the locker room, the team took a picture together, and Messi was holding up an Ian Frey jersey. Um, so, you know, going back towards Messi, though, those little details um, speak to the kind of teammate he is. You talked about, you know, the anecdote that DeAndre Yedlin shared with us after we recorded last week's or. Well, I guess, yeah, this week's pod. I won't reiterate it because you already did. But that question that I asked DeAndre Yedlin, which gave us that anecdote, came from a conversation I had with someone in and around Inter-Miami, a source, who told me he's a great teammate. Those were the words. And that's how I phrased the question to DeAndre Yedlin. Speaking to people in and around the club, you know, uh, a common uh, refrain is, Messi's a great teammate. And I asked Yedlin to share the anecdote, and you've already, Simon, have um, expressed what that anecdote is. So it, it seems like Messi gets it, and you're not going to get uh, a lot of diva or prima donna tendencies like you might with a with a different star player, um, which bodes well for Inter Miami because you know if he's one of everybody else, like you said, then that's then that's spectacular. You don't have that divide. You don't have to worry about bridging the gaps um he apparently speaks english as well enough english to to communicate so um you know it, it, all the early signs are are great going sticking back to going back to the football aspect you know in the second half with the way they combined and the way they played i mean <laughs> i thought there was a real and i still think there's it's a real uphill climb to make the playoffs but if they can play like that and sustain that for longer once they're actually fit enough to be in the starting lineup, I mean, which MLS team is going to be able to consistently or, or are MLS teams consistently going to be able to shut that down? I mean, there's rumors that Suarez might still be coming. You know, there are reports that Inter Miami's uh, making advancements with regards to trying to bring him over here. Mm. I mean, I, I'm with you, you know. If I think if they bring Suarez, I think there's a real chance that they could make the playoffs. I think there's a real chance that they could go on a, an incredible run. Um, because, like you said, the introduction of Busquets and Messi to Inter-Miami, les dio más fútbol. 
It gave them more soccer. They, they were able to knock the ball around, keep possession. They were now attacking. They were on the front foot. I mean, to me, again, Messi was just exhilarating to watch. It was it was fantastic, um, the, the performance he put forth. I did not think he would play as long as he did, and he did. Um, he looked sharp. He looked yeah, sharp. Incredible. You know, he, he, incredible. He looked... He looked uh, I mean, these guys don't let... I mean, this is something that's changed in football over the years as well. You know, we talk about players coming back from their vacations and stuff. I know they're going to need some time. Of course they do. And they're not up to full sharpness, which is why he didn't play 90 minutes. But they don't let themselves go. I mean, it's not like in the old days where, like, you know, players would go on holiday and they'd be, like, drinking and eating all the bad stuff and, like, just living an unhealthy lifestyle and then come back for preseason. The guys look after themselves. You know, the top players, they have they have home gyms and all the rest of it. If they go on vacation, they've got... You know, some of them even go on vacation with, like, their their physical preparation guys, you know, their personal trainers and stuff like that. So, you know, they, they keep him in pretty good shape. Um, and he looked really sharp. And Busquets, you know, he's not mobile. He's never been the most mobile player, to be honest. Uh, certainly not for a while. But um, he doesn't need to be. He reads the game so well. His touch is so good, and his passing is just on an, on another level. It, I mean, yeah, and it, it was it was you, you touched on it. It was interesting, you know. Obviously, uh, how regularly he looked for Messi. That was like the first the first option. And and Tata Martino talked about that actually after the game. Not not that specifically, but um, he said that when he brought on Messi, he also brought on Busquets because he wanted Messi to be being acompanhado or accompanied well, right? And someone that could nourish him and feed him and that's exactly what you got like you've touched on multiple times you know and i know we're focusing a lot on Messi here but Busquets, oh no 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 absolutely Busquets, it's, it's, yeah he, he he fulfilled his function of receiving the ball from the back line turning and finding Messi as the outlet pass and letting Messi create his magic that that was Busquets's finding him like, in good position his responsibility and he did it you know what i think it's an absolute genius move uh, the, uh, the first my first reaction like a lot of people was a little bit like uh oh, they're getting the old band together you know bringing some talented young players around Messi and so on. But you know what? If you took Busquets out of that game last night, Messi doesn't have anywhere near the same impact because who's going to find him with mm-hmm. those passes? With all due respect, the, 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 there aren't players. Obviously, Busquets is one of the greatest midfielders of the last 25 years or whatever, so it's no insult to anyone to say that nobody well, else I mean, would have been on the The proof level. was in the pudding, Simon. Like, the first half, Inter Miami couldn't keep the ball. And in the second half... With Messi's introduction, and yes, Messi does his magic, but who gets him the ball? How how were they able to to keep that position? Busquets came in and started linking up and finding him and and keeping those attacking sequences progressing. They couldn't do that in the first half. They just had no one that could pass through the lines like that. Busquets comes in and he's making it look super easy. He's like just passing left, right. You know right, what? I mean, incredible. Messi didn't get that kind of service for Argentina. He didn't. I mean, if Argentina had a player like Busquets in the midfield, uh, you know, I mean, I know they won the World Cup anyway, but but uh, they would have won it a, a more convincingly throughout the tournament, I think, with someone like that. Brilliant decision to bring him in. Absolutely fundamental. Because we've seen also in MLS, how many times have we seen, you mentioned Terry Henry, how many times have we seen great strikers come into MLS, but they don't have great midfielders behind them to provide them the kind of service that they're used to? And if, if you if you do find the good quality midfielders to provide service, you get like LA Galaxy got when they were winning the league back to back with Robbie Keane, you know, if, because they knew they had players who could provide him with the with the right sort of quality. So having Messi without that behind him, that was fundamental to bring them in as a duo. 
Now, mm -hmm. you know, can you put somebody else in, whether it's Suarez or somebody else, in there as the nine in front of him? Um, can you, you know, there's, there's the defensive midfield. I hope that Gomez is the guy. I mean, I've heard so many good things about him since he signed from from journalists and friends and so on, sending me messages saying, actually, if Messi, the Messi thing hadn't happened and Miami had signed Diego Gomez, a young guy who's won the league in Paraguay with one of the top teams there, champions of Paraguay, and broken into the national team at 20 and holding his own in the full national team, having been captain of the under-20 team, that's a big signing. But it seems like a little afterthought almost because of the magnitude of everything else that's gone on. I think when he gets on the field as well, and you put Gomez in there alongside Busquets, and from what I hear, Gomez is like a classic number eight up and down guy, covers a lot of ground, high energy, good tackler. Um, he's the guy who's going to go and be like the guy who gets the ball to give it to Busquets, right? Yeah, and, it was, and he was he was uh, very shy in the interview. He he spoke to us uh, oh, he was, late late last week again after we recorded the pod, um, and he was pretty shy in the in the interview. Um, you know, he even talked about it a few times. Estoy poco nervioso. He he was a bit nervous there. He was. I mean, there he was, was. A, there was a lot of media though. To be fair, so he was a bit uh, overwhelmed by it. Uh, but yeah. if you think about if you think about Andrea Pilo when he was at AC Milan. I mean, I covered that team, so I often refer back to it. So apologies for for going back to <laughs> the that throwbacks. Team. Throw, but, we're we're going to call you in. No, throwback and throwback. <laughs> well, they are one of the greatest teams of the last 25 years, uh, 20 years, anyway. Um, Gattuso went mm. and found the ball and broke things down and got the ball, turned around and gave it to Andrea Pilo. And then Andrea Pilo was the guy whose job was to open it up for Inzaghi and Shevchenko. That's the way the great teams always have that kind of combination in there. No matter what the systems or tactical evolution of the game, you need that, what, what, what in England people will call like a dog in midfield or a rat, you know, who goes and gets the ball. And then you have the calm passer of the ball who's mm. going to be Busquets. The and then you terrier, got the... yep. And then you got the, I don't know. What yeah, the, yeah, the absolutely. Right. So, you know, I think this, those ingredients are kind of eternal in football teams, regardless of systems. But... Well, that's why it's called finishing, right? Like, that's why, you know, strikers and the term is called finishing because you're finishing the movements or the sequence that, in theory, right, start from the back, right? Like, goalkeeper, I mean, he can go long, but the idea, you know, is if you're playing it out of the back, they pass the ball to the defensive line. The defensive line then tries to progress the, fo uh, the ball forward to the midfield line. And the midfield line progresses it to the front line. And then at the front line, the job is to put the ball into the back of the net, a.k.a. finishing. So, I mean, absolutely, absolutely. If Inter-Miami can incorporate those pieces to what we just saw from Busquets and Messi, I mean, they're going to be a pretty tough team to beat once the MLS regular season resumes. Now, it's a while before that happens. And if Inter-Miami, I believe if they get a draw on Tuesday night at home against Atlanta United, Tata Martino's former team, then Inter-Miami advances out of the group stage in the in the League's Cup. So they'll live to fight another day or have another game, um, which, you know what, at first I was like, it won't hurt Inter-Miami to have three weeks of just preparation. So that Tata Martino now it'd be short torture for you, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, I, th I listen. If they can make a run in this tournament and have a lot of games, I, th I think that also is beneficial. 
I absolutely think that that helps Inter Miami because, you know, I didn't think Messi and Busquets were going to be this far along, right? Like, they, they played almost an entire half. Um, if they're already there, I mean, there's questions on if, you know, with the recovery and, and short turnaround, if they'll they'll play again on Tuesday um, or how much. But, I mean, what, in two, three weeks' time, maybe less, they, they could be close to 90 minutes fit. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. And that was that was that was like forty odd minutes, not against like a, a bottom half MLS team either, was it? I mean, I know I know they lost the first three games of the season, so people were like dismissing Cruz Azul, but Liga MX is, is like physically much faster and tougher than than MLS, I think. I don't know. Um, if, I don't know if faster, but they're definitely more technical, um, and. Maybe the speed, the, speed them, of, the speed of thought might be, yeah, might be yeah. faster, right? Like again, the first half, Inter Miami was chasing shadows. They just couldn't keep up. With You're not going to stroll. You know, they were they weren't strolling through that the game. They were up against the team, and and they 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 wanted to. You could you could tell they they were they loved the idea of being the party poopers. Yeah, they know, put they put up a heck of a fight. And again, if they finished better, then they could have easily taken that game. Tuca Ferretti after the game said he fully believed that his team should have come out on top. Um, but Simon, very quickly before we, we, well, I guess wrap up the segment in the show because um, since this is a surprise pod, we don't have any questions to answer. Um, sure. Tuesday night, Drive Pink Stadium, Inter Miami versus Atlanta United. It's going to be an all MLS match there. What do you think we can expect from Inter Miami? Do you expect Messi and Busquets to play again? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... The big question is, do they start or do they come off the bench again? Um, <laughs> Your 60-minute prediction doesn't look so bad now. I was giving you grief last week and even after the pod and even in the press box. It was considered it's, an outlandish. <laughs> you said anything this was shock value, but now you see what I said. The see, momentum hey. builds and people are like, you know what? I'll give yeah. you your props, man. Listen, hey, I, I can raise my hand and say when I'm wrong. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I bring it up here just to like, give you your flowers and give you your credit because it, it doesn't seem like it's out of the realm of possibility. Um, and, and I thought it was out of the realm of possibility. So um, whether it happens, whether they play sixty or not, I mean the fact that they're it's even a talking point now is because they just played forty one. I, I think though I would rather they I'd rather I'd rather they play the second half like they did um, practically um, uh, the other night. I'd rather that than them start and then come off in the sixtieth minute, you know, and then you're kind of hanging on to defend what Messi's done for you, sort of thing. It's so you, better that way. It's better than coming on and making an impact and turning the game, you know. So you so you think they should start? I mean, if he's ready to go, if Messi's like knocking on Tata's door and said, "You know what? I feel great. I love that. I really enjoyed it. I'm ready to go, man. I'm ready to go." Then he's going to start. Right? Absolutely. So, wait, 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 wait. Simon, do you think they should start? Your opinion? No, don't rush it. No. Don't do you, rush it. Do you think There's they? No do you think they will start? They're two different things: should and will. I wouldn't be surprised if Messi <laughs> started and Busquets didn't. No, really? I think I think listen, based on what Tata said post game, but you know, he needed someone to be with Messi there to to be in acompañado. I think either they both start or they're both coming off the bench at the same time. I don't think one starts and the other one does it because again, like you said, that makes sense. That makes sense. Right, you, you need to have someone yeah. that's going to feed Messi and going to give him the ball. I just um, think Messi looked a lot Sharper and fitter than Busquets did, but then Busquets, like I said, he never particularly looks athletic. So <laughs> uh, it'll be interesting. I, I don't think that they start. Um, if they could, then absolutely, because again, you don't want to be chasing a game 
and hoping for more messy magic like that because, I mean, he might not be able to do it every single time. So, you know, if they can't start, then, you know, they should if they can, if they're able to, if, you know, they, they have enough legs under them to do so. Um, otherwise, yeah, you bring them on another 30 minutes or so, 40 minutes, and you hope that the game is still within reach. I mean, I don't think Atlanta United is going to put up the same type of challenge that Cruz Azul did. Like you said, Cruz Azul is, is, is in last place in Liga Mekis, but they were missing some key players due to the Gold Cup during those first three matches. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, I think they're a better team than what people were giving them credit for. Absolutely. Uh, leading yeah. up into the match. I don't think Atlanta United will pose that similar type of threat or challenge, but let's face it and let's be real, Inter-Miami, you know, you take away Busquets and Messi, they're not a very good team. And they weren't a very good team in this first half against Cruz Azul. So, um, you know, you'd have to hope for something similar where you can keep the game tight and close and and allow Messi to hopefully try to create some magic to help you win it late on. Yeah, it could be an interesting storyline there with, like, I mean... The, the danger with Atlanta is is they do have some good forward players. I yeah, mean, they, they got Thiago Almada, you know, Argentine international. Well, that's it. That's the storyline. You know, I think you, you, you might have a situation where Almada comes in, Messi's on the bench, Thiago Almada comes in and goes, okay, I'm the future of Argentinian football, so I'm going to show you what I can do on this stage in front of Messi, who every Argentinian is proud to be just in the neighborhood of, never mind playing on the field in front of. And so... Almada goes out there and performs great, and Atlanta have the advantage, and that maybe they're like two-one up in the fiftieth minute, and then Messi comes on and goes like, "Yeah, but I'm still the greatest Argentinian." You know, so. <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see how the game plays out. It will be interesting to see how Tata Martino goes about things, um, especially with regards to Messi and Busquets, who get up. I can't wait though. Passing. No, I can't yeah. wait. Yeah, 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 man. I'm looking forward to it. Tuesday night. I don't know if the stadium will be sold out because it's a midweek game. Uh, midweek games tend to not draw as well. Um, Should be sold out, man. You know what? <laughs> For people who like this game, and and and, uh, and you don't have to be like a hardcore fan who's going to wave flags and bang drums and stuff. If you really like this game and you live in South Florida and you've admired Barcelona, watching them on the Champions League, it is completely different when you're in the stadium and you mm. watch this level of passing because you watch you watch Busquets in the Champions League during Guardiola's era of, of, of Barcelona, for example, and later um, the other you know, iterations of it. And you watch the way he combined with Messi and you're like, with Iniesta was there as well. And you're like, oh, wow, they're really good. Barcelona are amazing. You don't get the same sense of it as when you see it. And... and you're watching two of the greatest in the in their relative positions. You really are. I think I think people are going to like wake up to uh, the fact that my, that Inter Miami signed two superstars, really, because Busquets, what he does. I know I've said this about five times now, but <laughs> but it's a lesson for people. It's an example for people and for for young kids who are learning the craft and trying to become footballers. Go if you get a chance to get a ticket. Go and watch these guys Absolutely. play in the next year or two because you'll learn so much about the game. I, I'm a football diehard. I'm a football nerd. Um, I love football. I hope that that's been clear for you know my time covering soccer and especially during the three years and change of this podcast. I would have always said to anyone, go to an Inter-Miami game. Go take in some live football. 
even though there were times when the product was absolutely terrible, I think you're getting your money's worth. Even if you're paying a couple hundred bucks, uh, you know, I, I will, I'll talk about normal prices here, you know, the... I'm not talking about the thousands and thousands of dollars that it costs to get a suite or, um, you know, the super uh, expensive resale tickets, but a couple hundred bucks to watch these magicians do what they do. I think it's, you know, if you can afford it, I think it's um, worth the price of admission because, again, just sitting from the press box, it was phenomenal. It was a spectacle and, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a fun, fun experience and night uh there's only a couple things left to talk about here simon and they're a little lighter um i mean i'll i'll use it as my final thoughts here i get a no q a session on this surprise pod uh, mm-hmm. but my uh one of my final thoughts will be on robbie Robinson, who didn't have a bad game you know overall like he performed better than he has uh for much of his time in an inter miami jersey might, might be one of his better games actually he got the assist on the robert taylor goal um but there's video of this and we've talked about this on Miami Total Football Radio. Don't think we were going a whole show without me doing that at least once. Um, but there's footage of him throwing up in the middle of the game. Just throwing up on the field. It was pure pure liquid. Um, he must have been exhausted uh, and just spent. But like we've talked about with Messi, there's so many eyeballs on the team and on the broadcast. Like Things are not going to go unnoticed. People are going to catch things. People are going to put it on Twitter. Things are going to go viral. Um, So if you haven't seen that and you can't believe what I'm saying, go on my Twitter handle, at Franco Parizzo. I tweeted out the video clip of him throwing up um, in the middle of the game. I mean, listen. If you need to see some vomit, (laughs) projectile vomiting, go to Franco's Twitter. (laughs) I mean... It's not something you see every day. It's listen. It's not the most uncommon thing. Like you know, when people are exhausted and are spent, you know, they'll, they can they can throw up. I mean, I, I've seen friends do it. Like just playing uh, different sports growing up, and uh, I don't know if I've done it. Maybe, maybe, possibly, probably, actually, when I was really young. Um, but know. you know, I, it's it's just something that to me, it's not so much about him throwing up. It's more so about the fact that there's so many eyeballs on everything and everyone. That things are not going to go. Uh, I wonder unnoticed. if it was exhaustion, uh, which is just a little bit concerning. If 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 he's uh, was that exhausted after that game, but maybe it was. He was tracking um, back though. He was tracking back. He was he more hard. than he yeah, normally yeah. has. Like there was one where he he did a a lung busting run from uh, the attacking half all the way back to help fill in the space that I think Noah Allen had left him behind, or, or actually. Sure, but how often you, you see you see players doing that all the time? Right, but Robbie Robinson, no, Robbie Robinson has like he right. struggles with that track back, but he made a lung busting run, um, you know, on one play. So I, I think he was just gassed. I think he was gassed. I don't know what what the other. You don't think he was, was like the nerves of like being on the field with Messi no, and like no, because it was towards the end. It was towards the end of the game. I think I think it was just him being physically exhausted and reminding me being out of sub, so he just had to push push through. Um, but yes, if you want to see. Projectile liquid vomiting. <laughs> um, yeah, check out the Twitter handle. It's it's there for for everyone to see. Uh, Simon, uh, you you're more than welcome to have a final thought, but I do want to share this one as well because there was a lot of stars in attendance, probably more so than at the presentation um, for this game. LeBron James was there. Him and Lil Messi had a nice warm embrace before the game. Serena Williams, yeah. Kim Kardashian. Although, I mean, if there's something to be critical of there in terms of the celebrities, is 
Kim Kardashian, I don't even think, you know, they showed the the reactions that everybody had. David Beckham had, like, tears in his eyes after seeing Messi score. Uh, Jorge Mas went, uh, you know, wild, and he, he couldn't believe it. But it looked like Kim Kardashian wasn't even aware of what happened. Like, was on she the looking foot, at her phone? She, she was looking down, and then she was just, like, she hears, like, the crowd erupt or whatever, and you see her look up and, like, with her mouth open. But, like, I don't think she knew what happened. I don't even think she saw the goal. Like, which is like, come on, man, come on. You couldn't really, like, really, really, come on. Um, but whatever. Anyway, I can't believe, that's that's wild to me, that on Miami Total Football Radio, we're talking about Kim Kardashian. But yeah, she was she was in attendance for this game. I don't know if I'm missing anyone. Sergio Aguero was also present, if I'm not mistaken. So it's a star-studded affair, um, this first game. I don't know if you have anything to add to that, any Kim Kardashian analysis, or uh, if you just want to go to your final thought and we wrap up the show. No, I mean, I, I think, uh, I think uh, you know, it's... It's what they wanted to have those celebrities there, isn't it? That's that's that adds to it all, and that's part of the whole buzz, and 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 so on. That's fine. Um, and good to see LeBron back. You know, good to see him back in South Florida. I I really enjoyed his time with 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 the Miami Heat, and uh, it'd be great if he becomes a into Miami fan. But you know what? Fans are gonna have to get used to that as well, aren't they? You know, because they'll be like, you can already start to sense it on social media. And let this be my final thought. There are going to be people who don't really don't like this, right? And and it's not just the people who've always hated soccer who are like, oh, MLS sucks and all that, those kind of people. It's not just going to be that. It's going to be people within like the MLS fan bases of other clubs. Miami are going to be the team, just as the Miami Heat was when LeBron played for them, that everybody else loves to hate. That's coming. It's not there yet because everyone loves that, that Messi's playing in the US and playing in MLS. Um, but over time, especially when this team gets more and more successful, people are going to start to hate on into Miami, and then it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out. Almost forgot, Becky G was also in attendance. She sang the national anthem, and she actually just tweeted not too long ago a thank you to David Beckham for inviting her to. Be By the way, last thing from me: Why was it was an international game, right, with two two clubs? Why was there only one national anthem? There should have been. A, Shouldn't there be in the Mexican national anthem as well? Uh, I mean, I guess. I thought that's where they're going, is Becky G's of Mexican descent. So right. I, I thought that, that, that we would have heard both. But, um, I mean, listen, it's if we're talking about the Leagues Cup, it's it's mostly done here by the Major League Soccer executives, right? The tournament's played exclusively in the United States. No games in Mexico. Um, so it's, it's, you know, there's, it's not, there's, not, there's not competitive. There's, there's competitive imbalances here. Um, and yes, it's like you said, it's an MLS tournament featuring Liga MX teams. That's that's just the reality of it. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah. But uh, you know what? I'll say one last thing. To end the show how we started, talking about the goal. Go back and watch it again, man. Just And go, if you have time to kill before you go to bed or whatever, look up the videos of the fans. Because people were crying, man. People like shed tears of joy and... Uh, amazement young kids adults like that goal is the biggest moment in inter miami history undoubtedly undoubtedly uh to this point um and it's a wonderful moment it's a moment that will stick with the team's history for forever if you were in the stadium and you got to witness it you know relish it because wow wow um but that's it that does it for this surprise pod we will be back 
later on in this next week to recap the game against Atlanta United and talk about what else is to come. Maybe there will be another League's Cup match to discuss. So for Simon Evans, I am Frank. Please, have been listening to.